Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's conversation. Intermittent fasting, colon, a heart-healthy dietary pattern, question mark? Hmm? Maybe? Yes, I believe it is. We know it is. But this article is packed with 34-plus references, highlighting different points of interest. And there's so much positivity packed in into this article that I was shocked and ran it through so many different filters to make sure that we hadn't talked about this one before. <laughs> and it came up that we haven't. So today is the day, Tommy. And we're going to get into that here in just a minute. You can head to the show notes and click the link if you're looking for the resources. They're always there for you. Uh, I want to welcome any new listeners to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. As you heard you. in our opener, that we want to give you an action step, something discernible that you can take away from today's conversation and put into your day-to-day life. If you want to hear more about our story, head back to episode one, give it a listen and hear more about how fasting transformed our lives and why we bring these episodes and episodes like it to you each and every week. For the long-term listeners, thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you for continuing to subscribe, rate, and review. I don't know if that's what it's called these days. Follow, download, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review, whatever it is. We are grateful for each and every one of those, especially the five-star kind. Because of course, who doesn't love getting five gold stars? Right, Tommy? Yeah. No, they're, they're the absolute best. So I think getting into this one this week, my overarching theme was like, what could fasting potentially do for me? And why should I be excited about fasting today? Whether it's my first day fasting or my hundredth or my thousandth day fasting, why should it matter? Why, why do I care? And it turns out there's a whole bunch of reasons that we're going to get into why you should care. Interesting. I'd never thought of this. So we, we count episodes, right? We're up in the 200s mm-hmm. now. So I'm thinking, how many days have I been living a fasting lifestyle? Oh, yeah. That's like, a good one. I mean, it's been years and now I'm like, man, I want to go back and calculate that. So it's like, uh, it's over a thousand, I think it's over a thousand. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Close. Yeah. I like your come from and framing out today's conversation. So when we set the stage for this conversation today, we're going to share a bunch of results from a handful of different, we set up, I think there's 34 different research articles that are 39, excuse me. Just want to double check. That didn't sound right. Dietary patterns. We're talking about dietary approaches, long-term sustainability. Do you maintain changes post air quotes Mm. diet? And I don't even like the word diet, right? The diet mindset, the diet culture tells us a lot of things. We like to say the lifestyle, the adaptation of the lifestyle. Fasting can fit any lifestyle from shift workers to stay-at-home moms and dads to CEOs to people that love to eat meat, the people that don't love me and only eat fish, right? Mm -hmm. Pescatarian, doesn't matter where you fall. Rabbit food, that's Rabbit food, yeah, right? Love it. That's a lie. Don't love it, but you can. (laughs) 
<laughs> so when we look at this, I love their come from in the beginning that they look at different you know ways to stop hypertension and cardiovascular issues. So we know mm. that heart disease is the number one leading cause of death and all-cause mortality here in the U.S., we also know that diabetes and insulin, blood sugar-related issues, increase your chance of cardiovascular risk and comorbidities drastically. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at things that we can control in terms of improving our cardiac health. So they say intermittent fasting, right? It's a type of, they say dietary pattern, lifestyle pattern that's based on upon time periods of fasting, right? So of course, if you've been fasting mm -hmm. for a while, you know that you eat, stop, eat, right? You fast, eat fast. Right? right. So they look at ADF, which we've been doing a bunch of episodes on this recently, because there's just a whole host of new information and new research articles coming out about ADF. We've been talking about it mm -hmm. for years and time restricted eating, which is just the compartmentalization of the hours. Like I just said, that you would either fast for and then have a nutrition opportunity or a nutrition window for. Mm -hmm. But there's no randomized controlled trial examining the relationship between IF and cardiovascular outcomes. Mm -hmm. So this study is really taking an important look at what are the benefits that can possibly reduce the risk for cardiovascular disease with weight control, hypertension, dyslipidemia, and diabetes, right? So there's three main pathways that they go over. We'll get into those in a minute. But big picture, there's so many pieces to the cardiovascular puzzle. And we know that the research is changing on some of these certain things like LDL numbers when compared to APOB or CAC scores. There's a lot shifting mindsets in the medical community on what is important. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. currently measuring blood sugar, but we really should be measuring insulin because that shows up, you know, insulin resistance and weight issues and all of these down the line things show up years before in certain labs and certain metrics. So we don't mm -hmm. want to bore you and it's impossible to paint a clear picture with all of those moving parts. But the main takeaway for today is does fasting result in a heart healthy application. Does it help the metrics that drive cardiovascular disease? Never mind, we know fasting helps blood sugar, which then decreases the risk, but directly related to cardiac health. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got me thinking about that, that RCT you just mentioned there, where there was no RCT, you know, looking at like a large fasting versus non-fasting kind of trial in a, in a very controlled environment. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how, to, how they would set that up. That, that right. might be, that might Probably need to be through. Yeah. You no, know, it might need to be through like timed IV nutrition where you really don't know if something's coming in or not, or maybe there's a, there's like a saline coming in during your actual fasting time. You'd have to be hooked up to a lot of different things, I think. That'd be pretty interesting though. I'd, I'd love to see the results, obviously, on a study like that, but I'm not sure who would pay for it, who would do it. But the cool thing is in this powerful overview of a study here is that they're pulling research protocols that were that were used to look at different things, blood pressure, weight loss, fat loss, actual inflammatory markers all the way to like, how does a ketogenic state or markers that affect neurodegenerative diseases, how do mm. these actually play or come into play rather? And then they were even, even pulling out some of the studies that were outside of humans. So some in animals, some also in just like a basic lab protocol where they would actually take cells like stem cells and see what they were doing whenever they were actually fed continuously versus actually made to intermittently fast, which was really, really interesting. There's some of these conclusions and some of those studies they don't talk about, they don't use the phrasing intermittent fasting. So they're not even necessarily easy to find if you're going to look for things like that because they're they're using different kinds of protocol and, they, and different kinds of terminology. So it's incredible the branches, the the effects that 
time-restricted eating and different kinds of protocols like this actually have across various body systems. It's going to be interesting to get into. Yeah. And I like how they frame it too, where they, they look at caloric restriction and intermittent fasting. And you know they, they mentioned the DASH diet, Mediterranean diet, which is decreased mm-hmm. cardiovascular risk. But it says IF has been linked to better glucose control, both humans and animals. However, long-term adherence to caloric restriction is low. We know that. We've heard mm-hmm. the 95% adherence. We've heard, we've looked at some of the studies, the Maurice Breckley study, you know, about that at that three-year mark, only 5% of the population. At the two-year mark, it's like 90, 88 to 92% of the population has given it all back in mm. terms of the weight loss, in terms of keeping the weight off, I should say. So I love that for me, fasting was never about losing the weight. It was about the long-term health benefit. Path that mm. I was on needed to be reversed. I was turning, following the path of my father, diabetes, yep. Yep. insulin resistance, you know, asthma. They mentioned asthma in here, which is really cool. We've got a bunch of Alzheimer's that runs in our family, which are those neurodegenerative diseases that you talked about, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, yeah. right? Which are becoming seemingly more and more common. Yeah. So we're going to rat-a-tat-tat some of the results from some of, from this review of all of these different studies, which I think is going to be fun. And then we're going to break down a few that really stuck out to us. But I want to frame first and foremost, the three proposed mechanisms of how intermittent fasting could lead to better cardiovascular outcomes, right? So we've got the oxidative stress hypothesis, which says you've got a decreased oxidative insult to the body, which means fasting reduces the stress leading to fewer free radicals with less mitochondrial energy production, ultimately lowering Mm. the body's level of stress, right? Okay. Then we've got The circadian rhythm, which we've talked a little bit about this before with eating your meals earlier in the day versus later in the day. This is something that's made a huge impact for me, getting my circadian rhythm, natural sunlight, go get our sleep guide. It's in the show notes, right? Yeah. Because sleep was a, yeah, chronotype. Sleep was a huge problem for me. So was stress. So I kind of like these first two. (laughs) They kind of resonate with me. But the circadian rhythm component focuses on syncing eating periods to the organ circadian rhythm. So optimizing glucose and fat utilization based on your hormonal cycle. Based on your circadian yeah. rhythm. So that's number two. And then the third one is the ketogenic state, right? So carbohydrate metabolism, ketogenesis, decreased LDL, increased HDL, reduced fat. And the fact that all of these, regardless of the mechanism, right? We're not going to get into each individual mechanism, but regardless of the theory, the outcome is what we want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like even just the fact that they're implying that we need to figure out which one of these theories is correct and then maybe. The other two aren't correct at that point. I have such a strong Partly feeling correct? that yeah, I have half to, a gold star. Right. I mean, I, I think that these are all three really, really important understanding, really important to understand as explanations of, of you know, just a, a combination of what's going on here, because there's a lot of evidence for each one of them. So which one's the most important? I don't know if that's even necessary for us to try to figure out, but just to understand there are reasons why we can see such varying degrees of, you know, of effects, mostly beneficial effects from implementing and consistently applying a, a fasting lifestyle. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is 
uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. You know, so <laughs> part of me wants to act like my toddler and be like, ah, just let the researchers handle that. But why? But why? But why? But why? And then part of me is like, nah, that's not really what we do. We'll just we'll just interpret it and apply it. And then I go, mm. but why? But why? Because I kind of want to know, right? right. Yeah. But when we look at the results, the results speak for themselves. So I just want to go through a few of these studies. So for obesity specifically, and just go through them real quick, Tommy, mm -hmm. and then we'll highlight the actual ones, some of the key components to these that really stood out to us. And there's a study, 12-week duration. This was an overweight diabetes type 2. The intervention was ADF, and the mean weight loss was 6.4 kilos. So- Wow. Yeah. Alternate day fasting. Right? Crushing it. Yeah. Reduction of waist circumference, eight centimeters. So about three wow. inches. Yeah. 2% loss in body fat. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. Another one, Harvey, 2011, 24-week duration, overweight and obese, premenopausal women only, great sample size, 107, mm -hmm. two-day-a-week fast, so the 5-2 is what I'm hearing, 75% yeah. caloric restriction, lost 6.4 kilos, 12 pounds, 12 plus pounds. Nice. Right? Okay. Awesome. Another one, an obesity, ADF, decrease in body fat, 2.5% of initial body weight, 4% of their fat mass, lost. Wow. Three weeks. Yeah. That that's pretty that's pretty astounding. Here's one. Eight weeks, ADF lunch, ADF dinner, ADF small meals. Hmm. Which one is it? N74. Pretty decent sized study, right? Obese, middle-aged, male and females. Three down 3.5, down 4.1, down 4.0. Pick your poison. Which one do you want to choose? They all work, right? Yeah. Kilos, by the way, not pounds. 
10 hour fast. I know us imperial folk over here in the US using pounds and all this other stuff. So we'll just keep it international today. (laughs) Honestly, didn't feel like doing all the conversions. Not great at math on the fly, as you all know, if you've been listening long enough. 10 hour fast. 3.3. 10 hour fast. What what did you, you, yeah, you you blinked, you took a nap and like you you just, you go to bed to eat for a minute. Yeah. (laughs) 10 hour fast. Huh. I don't know if I really define it as a fast, but go, but go on. I call that as sleeping. Yeah. Sleeping. So you didn't snack after dinner and you didn't eat right when you woke up. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I didn't wake up with food on the (laughs) nightstand. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't finish the cold pizza on the nightstand. Right. So weight reduction, 3.3 kilos, BMI reduction, 1.1. Waist circumference down four and a half centimeters. Wow. Right? 12 week study. Hypertension, systolic blood pressure dropped 10 points. Diastolic blood pressure dropped eight points in six weeks with three days a week of a fast, 75% caloric restriction. That doesn't really sound like fasting. Sounds like I'm eating 75% of what I need to eat, right? (laughs) Four weeks, Ramadan study, small decrease in systolic blood pressure in four weeks. Five week study, 18 hour fast. All right. 11-point decrease in systolic, 10-point decrease in diastolic. There we go. 12-week study, 10-hour fast. Here we go again. 5-point decrease, 7-point decrease, systolic and diastolic respectively, right? With mm. people that have metabolic syndrome, age 59 years old. Dyslipidemia, 12% decrease in LDL. Wow. 18% increase in HDL. Wow. Doing ADF with a 75% caloric reduction. And then the second one was uh, combined with exercise. Talk about fixing your ratio right there. <clears throat> right? I mean, that's a huge swing. Which is much um, more important. Yeah, exactly. And so you just mentioned- HDL ratio. Right. And you just mentioned Ramadan too. And so the interesting thing about Ramadan, going back to those, the three branches of the, you know, the hypotheses where these main effects come from for intermittent fasting. When you go back to the circadian, Ooh, circadian rhythm, the circadian part of that, Ramadan is actually not optimal for syncing up with the circadian aspect of that because then you're you're waiting all throughout the day and then all of the calories ad libitum are coming at the end of the day when we know we we actually have the the worst response as far as insulin liver processing time to actually process through the food metabolic rate starts to come down at later on in the day all of these things are kind of are working against us so the beneficial effects that we see in ramadan could actually be more optimal if we if we brought that in a little bit earlier i'm not saying you know to change the rules for the religious fasting of course but if we're going to apply this on a day-to-day basis we can shift it around and optimize the results even a little bit more yeah because some of these when we get to the blood sugar ones we'll see that the circadian approach may not be the best due to the eating the meal late right in terms of insulin response exactly. which is a huge driver for me yeah so another four-week trial ldl down 13 triglycerides down 41 hdl up four another study 12-week study ADF, 75% caloric reduction on your fasting days. So you get a mini meal, Uh right? So anytime I say 75% caloric reduction with ADF, what I mean is on your fasting days, you get 25%. So you get a little mini meal, five, 600 calories, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about, you know, doing every other day with 30 to 40 hour fast. If you're doing a normal feeding day versus a normal fasting day. I think most Um, people don't do that. So, you know, typically most people are talking about a modified Modified ADF. Modified ADF. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this one's down LDL down 10, triglycerides down 17, HDL up 16. Diabetes. Mm. If we're looking at an eight-week study, fasting glucose down six points, six milligrams per deciliter. Right? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. Right. It's great. In a short period of time, Absolutely. I can do it. Because it as those blood sugar numbers start to come down, that means I don't need quite as much insulin the next time I, I go to break that fast either. So that means insulin comes down. Okay, great. So that means that I'm able to 
tap into some of those long-term fat stores a bit faster. So I absolutely want that, even if it doesn't sound like just super, super high uh, effect, that kind of thing. Right, right. And then this one, eight weeks, this one's crazy. Total fast, 24 hours and six days of 70% liquid intake. Total fast, 24 hours and six days, 70% food intake. What? I don't even know what that means. I didn't even pull that study up. Yeah. Like, okay, great. But the insulin and glucose went down. Okay, cool. Hey, all right. <laughs> we, still we did got some a good fasting. Fact. Yeah. So when I, I'm being a little cheeky here, but when we look at this, so often, Tommy, we hear what's the best schedule? What should I be? What is yeah, like what's the perfect schedule? What about me? How does my situation fit in? And the reality is, if we're really doing I can this never for make health, this work for me for health metrics, the good yeah. news is you can because there's so much variability in all of these studies and all of the caloric intakes and all of the fasting times from 10 hours mm -hmm. all the way up to 24 plus with liquid intake. I don't even know what that means. Like I said, right? It doesn't really matter. The yeah. application here is, is that we are driving down, regardless of the three mechanisms that they proposed, oxidative stress, circadian rhythm, or the ketogenic one, the ketosis hypothesis, they all, all different forms of fasting have been shown to decrease that cardiovascular risk. Yeah. I love the fact that they even pulled studies that actually looked, and this was, there's very limited data on this, but people who actually had a coronary event and then brought about some intermittent fasting to see if it had any cardioprotective effects. And they actually did see a cardioprotective effect. Even during a short term, they actually reduced the hazard ratio or the odds ratio of having an additional cardiovascular event by up to 35% or e even up to 65%. So it's, it's really, really, really promising. Some of the, the studies that have been done, there needs to be more done and hopefully they will do more in the future. But at the same time, we can, we can take some of these things going almost any way we, we slice it. We're finding benefits going in the right direction. And that's, that's what I keep taking away as like an overarching theme of all of these different, like kind of scattered studies that looked at, you know, different outcomes over different periods of time with different fasting protocols. There was the neurodegenerative one, neurodegenerative, man, I tried to mm -hmm. say that fast and it did not come out fast, which I thought was really cool. And then there was this longevity piece as well, where they were looking at, they took human skin fibroblast in oh, vitro, so cool. right? Yeah. Stimulating IF protocols and they had longer lifespans than the control cells, right? And then mm. they these groups retain their youthful morphology while the controls develop a senescent morphology, which is associated with a smaller, thinner appearance. Yeah, so, like thinning the, skin as we age. Right. The yeah. ex vivo study in human fibroblasts is just an intermittent fast could delay aging at a cellular level. So, that's where we're going to have that conversation about autophagy, right? And the regeneration yeah. and the proliferation of stem cells. So, when we look at all of these different variations, you know, we're the article goes on to talk about like, okay, well, what's the real difference or similarities between intermittent fasting and caloric restriction, right? And is this something that you can stick to in terms of intermittent fasting long term? And they openly admit that that's where, because it hasn't been around or studied as often or as much, it seems like there's that gap in the research. But I'll tell you from taking 5,000 plus people through our challenges and, you know, however many million downloads and messages we've gotten now, right, from doing the podcast yeah. that. People that get the results, regardless of what you stick to, but fasting seems to simplify the equation for so many people, even though we just described a situation where there's so many different moving parts and what window do I choose or how long do I fast or how do I break my fast? Yeah. It's, it's really key to know in terms of how your body is responding, right? And True. 
one of these things that really hit for me was the the circadian hypothesis, right? Yeah. On timing up your meals. Because as you're making you know, food decisions and fasting decisions and, hey, what's my most important goal? Is it my blood pressure? Is it getting control of the scale? Is it fixing my relationships with food? You know, just building new, better habits so I can work on body composition and, and strength or, or cardiovascular health goals, all of these kind of things. We see in the data here, even within this study, things like, it, quote, late dinners are associated with higher postprandial glucose levels than daytime meals, increasing the risk say of that diabetes. In, say that in layman's terms. Well, whenever we eat late meals, we have higher blood sugar levels than when we eat earlier in the day, which increases our, our risk of developing blood sugar-related issues and prediabetes and then ultimately potentially diabetes. So the thing about that is we also know because we asked thousands of and thousands of people what their favorite meal of the day was if they were just going to do one meal a day, OMAD. And it's invariably almost dinner, right? And yep. if you're gaining weight, you tend to have substantial amount of calories usually coming in later on in the day. You don't tend to be like a clear cut, hey, I already had lunch or I had an early dinner and then that's it. Like a lot of times there's, there's snacking and, and grazing and other things involved. And you don't have to be perfect with it to start to get a handle on that. But those habits are very, very strong. And what something like having a CGM and seeing the seeing the visual of what's happening under the hood, that helped me change some of those really, really hard to break habits. That was like something that I needed to finally solidify and be like, okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different because it was so comfortable, so tempting to do right. those things, right? So what I just heard is the the only lever, the only option isn't always, let me just go do a longer fast. Let me extend right. my fast. Let me eat a little yeah. bit less. Let me go more low carb. Let me No, for longevity, we need to figure out those key pieces and that behavioral change is going to come with that visual representation. Yep. Took time. Yeah, right. For sure. And we're still working on it. I'm still working on my visceral fat level, right? I had a lot of it. <laughs> it's taken a while, right? <laughs> And that's why we talk a lot about visceral fat. So I like yeah. I like this takeaway too in their limitations and directions conversation. And you know, certain regimens may be easier to hear than others. You know, if you're looking for more guidance, you can head to the show notes and click the blueprint fasting for fat loss. That's mm. our PDF. It gives you different schedules, gives you the who, what, when, where, and why behind fasting. You can grab that. That'll give you some different ideas on like what regimens may work better for you. And it, it really does talk about the differences in, you know, different populations. And we looked at, you know, obesity versus type two diabetics versus metabolic syndrome versus healthy individuals, et cetera. But there was a really cool takeaway here because if we're going to be wanting to move the lifestyle metrics, the cardiovascular metrics, the blood lab metrics mm -hmm. long term, then it said, however, for, and I know we talked about this, mentioning this, Tommy, in, in this way, but I think we can frame it in a way that will create enhancement or encouragement to the process, not to say, ah, you can be rewarded for not sticking to your fasting. So, however, it says for obese adults who are on intermittent fasting for eight weeks, saw great results, then transitioned back to their regular diet for 24 weeks, they mm -hmm. still maintain their lower cholesterol and glucose levels. Nice. Wow. That's huge because we hear that. I mean, how often do we hear that? Why do I need to start intermittent fasting? Because when I go back to quote unquote regular life or regular eating patterns, like then I'm just, even if it's beneficial, I'm going to give those back. Like as soon as I open up that eating window, I'm just going to give back those, those gains, if you will. Right. 
yeah, we want to get you off the diet roller coaster. Yeah. We want to apply fasting as a lifestyle, right? So be the on and off, black and white, eat less, move more, right? Parse it however you want. Mm. Tracking, not tracking, calorie counting, not extended fast, rotating your fast, whatever, however you piece the puzzle together, you need the reps to figure out what's going to work. And if if you don't see it as being a long term solution, or at least you can't, you may not have all the answers of how it's going to look when you're at your maintenance weight, right? Showing sure. up different, yeah. like full of vitality and, and lean, mean, like fitting into the clothes you want, feeling good, right? Like confident. Maybe you're not there the yet. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the Kool-Aid guy. Oh, yeah. Coming yeah. through the wall, right? So, well, that'd be the opposite. <laughs> yeah. His confidence level is, is as high as the liquid level. Right. In, in the Yeah. You may not know all those pieces yet, but if you can't see fasting as being part of your long-term solution, then it is just another diet. Mm. Right? So, how do you make it a long-term solution? You need repetitions. You need practice. And you need to personalize this for you. And along the way, you can get all of these additional benefits, right? A 10-hour yes. fast gives you benefits. <laughs> Not saying go do a bunch of 10-hour fasts, I'm but say a fast, fast is better than no fast. Right, Tommy? Yeah, right. Yeah. And just the fact that I love the fact that they looked at the intermittent fasting versus caloric restriction because when we started off this conversation, I said, like, why should I still be excited about fasting? Why should I get up today, whether, whether yesterday was a, a 10 or it wasn't, whether I've just started fasting or I've been doing this for a long time, why should I be excited about fasting today? Well, the benefits of what we're talking about here have been looked at in study after study, framed out in the way of if I just brought in the same number of calories, it wouldn't matter. My timing of those calories wouldn't matter. And this was right. a big objection that I had before I started consistently applying fasting. Well, it turns out that's a big subject of the research, but it's pretty clear that the benefits that you get while fasting are independent of the calories. So if you're looking to tap into long-term fat stores, of course, there needs to be a calorie deficit. But as far as blood pressure, inflammatory markers, a whole host of things that lead to fasting glucose and insulin sensitivity versus resistance, if we take the same number of calories and compartmentalize them in a time-restricted manner, we get a benefit to them. That's why I should be excited to fast today, not necessarily excited to skip a meal or skip calories or whatever the case may be. Those are all independent. Those are all goal-dependent things. But I should be excited to fast and to compartmentalize my actual ingestion of these calories because the benefits are absolutely black and white. They're clear cut. Even if I'm bringing in the same foods, the same calories, if I compare it throughout the day versus compartmentalized, there is a clear cut benefit that's that's worth doing day in and day out, most days of the year. Regardless if it's the oxidative stress hypothesis, the circadian rhythm hypothesis, or yeah. the ketosis <laughs> hypothesis, because I believe right. for me, it was all three. Yeah. Stress, me relief, too. better sleep. And getting in and out of flipping that metabolic switch more frequently, being able to get in and out of ketosis more regularly. So yeah. that is my hypothesis for a future research study. If anybody with PE out there wants to fund that, you let us know. Um, <laughs> we'll find the research team and uh, we'll get that done. But right. I, I love that point there, Tommy, as fun. we wrap up today's conversation. It does. I'd even be a test subject. Well, I don't know what category I'd fall into now. What group? I don't know if I'd where I'd be in the control group. Yeah. We'd need like a fasting success group, you know, that's like been on the fasting, other side and then. Yeah. A sustainable fasting group. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So as we wrap up today, head to the show notes, grab the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, the nutrisense.io forward slash fasting for life for the CGM. 
If you want to join our Facebook community as well, the link's in there. The link to this article is in there. All of the information is there for y'all to digest. I want to encourage you guys to take one different action today. So mm -hmm. after listening to this, right, I love Tommy's framing there. It's like, okay, it all can benefit, right? There is a benefit. Yeah. We should be excited about it. We want to pour it. We want to get more consistent with it. And we do that by taking action. So I hope you guys, Tommy, as always, appreciate the conversation, but I hope that there is hope instilled in this conversation that regardless of the path you choose with fasting, there is an outcome mm. on the other side of it yeah. that you want and that we should all be striving for. So Heck yeah, yeah. Set that 10 hour fasting timer rather than no fasting timer, even if you you know it's just gonna be 10 hours, right? Like even, even just that overnight, like like do take that one small action and then remind yourself that, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm fasting today. Even yeah. if it's not a 20 hour fast or a 30 hour fast, hey, it's 10. Well, guess what? 10 is better than zero. 10 is better than not setting that timer because that was an intention and a decision that you made. And there's gonna be a benefit at the other end. It's gonna be even easier to take the next decision after that. So get the ball rolling today. Don't wait. There's no reason to wait. So funny when my wife is like, hey, I'm fasting. I did a 12 hour fast. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Good for Don't you. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> She's been doing it more consistently. So I'm proud of her. But the that's 12, awesome. the, she started with 12. You gotta start somewhere, right? Go Absolutely. start somewhere. So I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Tommy. Thank you for the conversation. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.